Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 5 of Behind the Microphone with me, Hamish Percy. I'm delighted to say that today's guest is broadcast journalist and presenter Jules Breach. Jules presents BT Sports Score every Saturday as well as shows for Premier League Productions, CBS and more. In this episode, Jules talks through her career journey so far from shopping TV to local radio all the way to where she is today. I hope you enjoy. So Jules, growing up, was the plan always to be a football presenter? No, it wasn't the plan originally. Um, I think like most kids, when you're little, you have a million different dream jobs, don't you? I think at one stage I wanted to be a doctor. I'm glad that that didn't work out. Um, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a paediatrician. I wanted wanted to be everything when I was growing up. But I think when I first started to really think about a career, um, I wanted to be a tennis player. I played tennis competitively for most of my childhood until I was 16. And it was only when I got to 16 and had a few other interests and kind of things like socializing and friends started to become more important. Um, And I realized I wasn't probably quite good enough to make it as a professional tennis player. Um, That that's when my career focus changed. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I just, I loved sport growing up, obviously playing competitively in tennis. I knew I wanted to work in the sporting world. Um, I always liked the idea of being a news presenter or being a presenter of some sort, but it wasn't until a few years later that I thought about actually marrying the two together. So it was definitely a later life choice than something I've always dreamt of, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. And, And then you went to do media at the University of Sussex. And then after that, started presenting on a shopping channel. I wanted to ask basically, how was that? And and what lessons did that teach you early on in your career? It was such an amazing job to have straight out of uni. Um, When I was at university, that was when I really decided that I wanted to be a TV presenter and that I wanted to work in the media and that being in front of the camera or in front of the microphone was kind of where I wanted to be. Um, so I did little bits and bobs when I was at uni and then I entered a competition um, for Channel 4, for T4 at the time to become their new presenter. And after doing that, I kind of got the bug for it. And it was through doing that that I met another presenter who was working on the shopping channel. So she introduced me to her employees. And um, yeah, basically I went from there and I hadn't done any other presenting other than this competition that I'd done. And so I had pretty much no experience, walked in there and there was no training. It it was literally come in and go on live TV, which was scary. Um, I had no idea like what I was doing. They put an earpiece in my ear and I was like, oh my God, there's voices. Like, how do you do this? Um, So it was all pretty crazy as a 21 year old, just sort of, going in and then being like, wow, this is, this is actually happening. But being chucked in at the deep end like that was probably the best thing that could have ever happened because it was such an amazing training ground. We were, we were live on air for roughly six hours every day. And so I learned on my feet, learned on the job, made mistakes, but you don't learn unless you make those mistakes. So 
I had what I think was a really great training ground in a live TV setting, which you just would never be given the opportunity anywhere, really, as a brand new presenter. So it taught me a lot. It taught me how to read auto cue, how to listen to talk back, how running a show works, how every one behind the scenes works, what a producer does, what the director does, you know, everything that goes into live TV, there is so much of it to learn. And so for me, it was just like the most amazing first job that I could have ever been given really. Um, and it was also really fun. And I made some of my best friends who are still my best friends now. So yeah, it was a great job to have. Um, and taught me everything that I can still put into practice today. Oh, amazing. And and you didn't let go of your dream, though, of working in sport. So then talk to me a bit about why then you decided to move to latest TV in Brighton. And did the skills you actually picked up working on the presenting on the shopping channel, did they help here? And what was your first job in sports like? Sorry to just say about six questions there. So, yeah, when I was at the shopping channel, I realised then that it was that working as a presenter was definitely something I wanted to do. And all I kept thinking was, what would I, what actually do I want to do in this? Like how, what type of TV presenter do I want to be? And because I loved football so much and I was a huge sports fan anyway, I wanted to do the two things together, but I had absolutely no idea how to go about doing that. So I was writing to different TV executives and using contacts that I'd had already for people who I knew worked in sport and just asking for opportunities, asking to shadow, um, asking for jobs, basically just pestering people. And nothing really worked out, if I'm being completely honest. So I spent a good few years actually working on other programs. So I worked on a poker show for two years for Sky. Um, I worked on an entertainment magazine show for Foxy Bingo. Um, I did all sorts of like random freelance jobs, you know, presenting at events, doing little bits and bobs. And um, one of the things I did when I was at uni before I was presenting was I worked at my local radio station um, as essentially a runner, but we were part of the, the street team for the station. So we would go to events and hand out goodie bags and stuff like that. And through working at that radio station, um, obviously meeting other people at the station. I, I stayed friends with a couple of the presenters. And so a few years later, they'd moved on to another local station in Brighton, uh, Juice. And they put me in contact with the boss there and just was like, they obviously knew I'd been presenting and that I wanted a job, but they were like, obviously we can't just give you a job. Like people are all on these shows. So why don't you come in and do a bit of sort of running again and a bit of work experience which kind of felt like a bit of a strange step backwards because I'd already been presenting so then to go into a radio station and not be able to present was really strange um but I knew I had to do it because I knew that that was the only way I'd ever get an opportunity to do the sports show on this radio station so that's really how it all worked out and at the same time as doing that it was at the time where a lot of local TV channels started popping up around the country. And so in Brighton, we had a channel called Latest TV and it was all very low budget. Um, so they, they didn't really pay. They paid very little if they did, but I knew again that that would be in a way I could get some experience. So 
whilst doing a few random presenting jobs on the poker channel and the entertainment stuff and still a little bit on the shopping channel, I was then doing work experience at my local TV channel and at my local radio station. And so I started doing a few football match reports for latest TV. So I was going to non-league grounds around Sussex and doing match reports at some of those games. And then at the radio station, I was sitting in and shadowing the sports presenter there and watching him do his job every Saturday. And it eventually just kind of fell into my hands. I got really lucky that he was going traveling, the presenter of the sports show at Juice, and they needed cover. And it obviously would have been a bit of a leap of faith from my boss at the time, but he obviously believed I could do it. And so he gave me the chance to do the show for three months while the other presenter was off traveling. And um, that was that was it, really. I ended up doing the show for nearly three years, I think, because they were really happy with how I did when I was filling in. And so I carried on. Um, I do feel a bit bad about that because I became quite pally with the other guy. But obviously, sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to work out. And I got really lucky in that situation that it worked out well for me. Um, and yeah, that was my first job in football, my first proper job in football, because I was, you know, doing little bits and bobs, like I said, for the local channel, um, the local TV channel. And I'd been working as a hostess at Brighton Games in the corporate lounges. So I was always in and around it, but never really presenting. So when I got that job doing the radio show, it was, it was an amazing feeling. And I got to basically work on football matches every Saturday. So that was, that was amazing. That is, that is amazing. And did you, like, I know we spoke a tiny bit about it before we started recording about kind of taking steps back backwards from going from working on the shopping channel and a bit for sky doing the, the poker was it hard taking that step back to work experience for latest and juice or was it just kind of a no-brainer because you knew you had this desire to work in sport it was hard financially <laughs> but that was the only thing it was hard to do if you know what I mean I knew that I had to do something because I'd been trying for like two years writing to companies at sports channels and just like writing to the execs and writing to other presenters and being like, can I shadow you? And are there any opportunities? And nothing was working out. So when it comes to a point where you've tried for that long and nothing has kind of clicked, you know, you've got to try something else. So for me, it was a no brainer to go back and try and get some work experience and try and open the doors another way. Um, and the, the most difficult part was the financial hit that it meant I needed to take by not, you know, not getting paid as much as I did doing some of the other jobs. And obviously that's tricky when you've got rent to pay and everything else that you want to do when you're in your twenties, go out, go on holiday, all of that stuff. So that was probably the hardest bit. Um, and yeah, I suppose in a, in a way, like it felt strange that I was like, I know I can do that job. Yeah. I'm sat here like, and I can't do it because you don't think I'm experienced enough yet. Um, that's hard. That is, that is mentally quite tricky, but I knew that if I just kept pushing and kept nagging a bit that, um, hopefully eventually it would all work out. And thankfully I didn't have to wait too long. I think I was there for about a year and a half before I got the opportunity to present. Um, 
that sounds like a long time actually, but it didn't feel long. I was learning stuff every single day. I was, you know, uploading other presenter shows and listening to them and watching the way they prepped and watching them do their shows and learning how to run a radio desk. You don't learn overnight. Like it took me a good few months just watching every day and thinking, okay, when I try it, I'll do it like this and blah, blah, blah. So it took time. And when I then eventually was given the opportunity to present, I knew I was ready. So it didn't feel like, like wasted time, even though it was a good year or so until I did get that presenting chance. And when you did get that presenting chance at Juice and you had your radio show, how did that enhance your presenting skills? Was it, was it good for you to work on your voice and have your own show? And yeah, how did that benefit you in, in the long run? Well, if you speak to anyone about the differences between TV and radio, that they are really different. And I, I really didn't know that when I got that job. So I, I learned a lot whilst doing that show because it sounds really silly, but they are completely different skills. And there are different radio jobs now where some presenters don't run the desk as well as actually present. They will just present and someone else will run the desk for them. But being local radio, we didn't have a very big production team. So I was presenter and producer of the show. So I had to write all my own scripts. I had to run the radio desk and it's a commercial radio station. So we had ad breaks and music. So I'm running music, running ad breaks, speaking about the football all at once and kind of trying to run all of that. So it was an amazing thing for me to do because I'd never had that with any of my other presenting jobs. All the other presenting jobs, you'd have a producer, you'd have someone to kind of guide you through everything. So it was one of the best jobs I've had in terms of teaching me everything because I had to do everything on that job. And that was really um, satisfying actually, because it meant that my boss was amazing. He was just like, it's your show, do what you want with it as long as you tell us the scores and you cover all of the football stories from the day, I'm happy for you to do it however you like. So I really could take ownership of it and I could do my own thing with it. I got to you know, show my personality on the show um, and I could do interviews with whoever I wanted as long as I contacted them and got permission and all of that stuff. So it was, it was yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of work, but it was also really satisfying because I knew it was, it was all me in that show. Um, and so it taught me a lot. And being my first proper broadcasting job in football, like, gosh, it taught me a lot about, you know, just just making mistakes and learning how to say things properly and what sounds right and how you throw to things and how you pick up off the back of things. And we had a reporter at all of the Bryson games. So just how you can variate the way you throw to a reporter every time, because we're going to him every 10 or so minutes so you don't want to say the same thing every time so it was learning different ways of throwing different ways of picking back up all of that kind of stuff it was all a massive learning curve so yeah it was it was an awesome job to do and, and taught me a lot and a lot of the skills you learn doing radio you can translate to your tv presenting as well I think I think actually doing both makes you quite rounded as a presenter because you can appreciate both forms um, and you can learn a lot about yourself from doing both so I do think it it really helped me with the TV side of things as well. Well I can imagine like that throwing to reporters that really helps you with what you're doing now at BT Sports School because 
you have to throw to reporters every probably ten minutes there as well. But when you were when you were there, you decided to um, go back to uni and get an NCTJ qualification. Why why did you do that? The reason I decided to go back and do an NCTJ while I was at Juice is because although I was working on this amazing radio show, I still had ambitions to work in football broadcasting on TV and and obviously to to try and work on bigger, better channels. Of course, I, I still had ambitions to do that. And so while I was at Juice, I continued writing to the same TV execs I'd been writing to before and trying to get my foot in the door at BT Sport or Sky or wherever it was that would, you know, offer me an opportunity. And I wasn't really getting anywhere. And when I was getting responses, the responses I was getting was, you know, if you want to work in football broadcasting, particularly on a reporting or a news side of things, then it's appreciated for you to have an NCTJ qualification. Now, I really undenied about it, if I'm honest, for quite a while. Um, my thought process on it at the time was, do I need it? Like, it, surely not every single presenter on TV has an NCTJ. Like, I just kept looking at people and thinking, did they really do an NCTJ? Are you sure everyone's done an NCTJ? So for ages, I was sort of like, I don't know if I need it or not. And if I'm honest, I still don't know the answer to that question. I don't think it's necessarily essential, but for me, it was the right thing to do at the time. And I think it really helped me. And in fact, I know it helped me get the job at BT Sport. The reason I ended up, despite my kind of questions about whether I needed it or not, the reason I decided to do it is truthfully because it was getting to a point where I felt like everything I was trying just wasn't working. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Like, I might as well do this. It can add to the degree I already have in media. It will boost that. It will make hopefully them take me more seriously and realize that I do really, I do really want to do this. Like I'm serious about this. This is a career I want to have for years to come. I don't just want to be on telly. Like I want to be a sports broadcaster and, and I'm like, you know, I'm genuinely serious about it. So that was the real reason why I decided to do it. It just took me a while to be able to save for it. So it took me a, a couple of years to get to a point after I decided I wanted to do it to go, all right, now I'm ready to do it. Um, I was really lucky that in Brighton at Journalist Works where I did my NCTJ, they offered a part-time course so I could still carry on doing my radio show and doing my job, my other little jobs on the side, presenting and doing promotional work and stuff for, for the extra money. Um, and yeah, and it, within a year I had my NCTJ and it was in that year that, basically everything changed and that I got some of the jobs that I'm still doing now. So did the NCTJ help? Probably. Has it helped me now? Definitely. Um, but at the time, like I don't, now that I've got the qualification, I don't think I've ever gone to a place and gone, hi, I've got an NCTJ. Will you give me a job? But in conversations that you have, when you say to people that you've got your NCTJ, I think they might just look at you a little bit differently. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it, 
I think it certainly helped me get my foot in the door at BT Sport. Well, yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, it definitely would because it's a qualification. But ha- have you ever, since you finished it, have you ever used shorthand? <laughs> you know what? I like, I am the biggest nerd. I loved shorthand so much. I was only one of two people on my course that actually managed to get 100 words per minute. Um, there are only two of us that got gold standard and I was one of them. And honestly, I was just so thrilled, but mainly because I'm so competitive. Like I knew I wasn't going to really use shorthand, like being a broadcaster, you don't use it as much as if you're a written journalist, of course. And to be honest, the NCTJ I did was way more focused on print journalism than it was on, on broadcast journalism. It was probably... 70 30 I would say in terms of percentage but don't let that put you off if you are thinking of doing it because I still learned so many skills of writing that you can also put into your broadcast um skills and also who knows like tv might not last forever for me so I'd like to think that one day I could still write for a newspaper or write for a magazine. And that was that was part of my thinking of when I decided to do the NCTJ is actually like if TV presenting doesn't work out and I do my NCTJ, maybe I can go and write for a newspaper and get into sport that way. So there were lots of reasons why the NCTJ made sense for me at the time. Have I used shorthand since? Um, a little bit, but like not seriously, just like for fun, which sounds so so nerdy um but yeah I, I sometimes still like remember the outlines I would no way near be able to do 100 words per minute now like you have to seriously practice to keep up that speed but um yeah I used it a little bit afterwards when like I've been to press conferences and stuff and taken down a couple of things in shorthand but I would I don't think now I would be able to remember everything which is such a shame I'm sure if I practiced again I'd probably be able to pick it back up but yeah, when I went to a few press conferences, I did write a couple of like outlines in shorthand and then some in longhand and just kind of did a mix, a mix match of, of it all. Um, but yeah, being broadcast journalist, you don't, you don't really need to use it, unfortunately. But um, because I am so competitive, I was just determined to get 100 words per minute because I knew that that, that was what you needed to get a gold standard. So I just kept practicing, kept practicing and finally got there, which was the best feeling. <laughs> no, yeah, I, well, I, I only did mine in, I think, May last year, but I think I've forgotten all of it already. But I remember my teacher saying at the start, they said, um, or he said, basically he said, you need it for gold standard, but also you need it because if you're at a party, you can show off, but it has to be a really boring party. <laughs> but um... Hey, I'd be impressed, Hamish, I'd be impressed. <laughs> Um, anyway, then the then the jump from local radio to national and worldwide live television happened in that year when the NCTJ happened as well. So you went to BT and PLP and how how did that suddenly come about? It was you know what it it is sudden when you think about it, but it all felt so gradual to me because there were so many steps along the way, and they all now when I look back, they all make sense. At the time, they didn't, obviously, because I was just thinking, I don't want to do this job, but I'm doing it because it pays the bills and it's presenting and ah, I'll do it anyway, kind of thing. And in the sort of, there was probably about a two year time frame where 
I was working on the radio station at Juice. So I was doing the sports show. I was doing a little bit of stuff at Latest TV. I was still doing the poker show for Sky. And I knew at that point I was like really pushing, like just want to do more football stuff. I just want to work in football. And so I started emailing some agents um, and I was emailing so many different agencies in London, just like, can you represent me as a presenter? How can you open these doors for me? I don't know how to get in there. Like, I don't know how to speak to anyone at BT Sport. No one responds to me, you know, like all of those kind of questions. And yeah, eventually there was an agent who said yes to me um, after a lot of pestering. They didn't say yes straight away. They said yes to a meeting. Um, we then stayed in contact over email for about six months where I wasn't actually represented by them, but I was keeping them up to date with all of the work I was doing. And eventually they were like, all right, we think you've, you've done enough that we could put you forward for this job. So it was to work on the Rugby World Cup, the one that was in the UK, and it was for ESPN online, just doing some colour pieces outside the stadiums, chatting to the fans. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. Like, I'm not a massive rugby fan. I, I follow the big tournaments like the World Cup and the Six Nations, but by no means was I, you know, do I follow domestic rugby or, or know it inside out? For me, I was always football and tennis. They were my two sports. So I was a bit out of my comfort zone for this. So I did a lot of research, went for the interview. This was for ESPN online. And when I got chatting to the boss there, all we talked about was football. And it turns out that he wasn't much of a rugby fan either. So I think I got quite lucky um, that we got on and that he was a rugby, uh, sorry, a football person as well. And I think that was it really. I think because we we had a good relationship and he thought it would be fun for us to work together that I got that opportunity. And so I did that job. And off the back of that, that led to a few other online things with ESPN, um, including some stuff on their football online channel. And so that was really like the way it sort of, there were all these little steps. So then after working at ESPN, I then had a meeting at, Premier League productions of which I didn't know a lot about if I'm honest like obviously the coverage doesn't go out in the UK so I hadn't seen any of it I didn't know what a big deal it was so I went to the meeting pretty casually not expecting much thinking oh it's probably some Premier League YouTube channel or something um and yeah got to the meeting and again got very fortunate that um the person who I had the meeting with and I um, got on and he basically was just like, do you want to have a go on fan zone, which is one of the shows? And I was like, yes, please. So a week or so later, I was back in the building at Stockley Park and hadn't screen tested, but they thought I was able enough to just go on and do the show. So that was kind of my screen test slash first show all in one. Uh, I was working with Stuart Pierce, which was at the time terrifying because I was like, I don't, I'm not used to working with like ex-footballers. And that was, he was the first one I worked with. So it was like pretty scary because all I knew of him was obviously his character as psycho. So, you know, I was like, oh God, but he was so lovely. Um, 
and the show went really well. And after that, basically they offered me some freelance shows doing fan zone. And at the same time that was all happening, obviously this was a lot of these contacts were all through the same agent. Um, they'd been speaking to a producer at BT Sport about some summer work that was coming up at the end of that football season, but working on the hockey. And again, hockey, not my sport. Um, so similar to the rugby job the summer before, I then did a whole lot of research on hockey, um, followed loads of hockey players on Twitter, <laughs> just basically got my head into this hockey zone for this meeting, went to this meeting with this producer and ended up just talking about football again. And at the end of that meeting, the producer just said to me, look, like, I don't think hockey is for you. Um, let's be honest, like you clearly have a passion for football and you want to work in football and you're working at the Premier League and you're doing this radio show in Brighton, just all around the football. Like, let's see if we can get you something football-based. And it was fortunate that that was the year that BT Sports Score was commissioned. And so it was a brand new show. They had their male presenter, Mark Pugach. They didn't have their co-host and they wanted a female. They had been, you know, doing some interviews and screen tests and seeing who was interested at the time. I don't think they were thinking of a brand new face as such, but then obviously I, I kind of walked in at the right time and the rest is history really. And yeah, now, now we, here we are. <laughs> I know. I've heard you say previously in, in, somewhere else um, I might be misquoting you here hopefully I'm not but when you were growing up there wasn't a female sports presenter working in football who you could kind of look up to or there was Sue Barker but again that was that was tennis it wasn't football could that have perhaps benefited you in some way because you were able to completely develop your own style not having followed grown up looking at others thinking oh I need to do this I need to do this did that help or or, or was it did it hinder honestly never really thought about it like that but but possibly possibly it did help because all I've ever really done is just been myself um and spoke from a place of honesty and uh passion I guess and I've just spoken as a football fan whenever I've been on a broadcast and I feel like people that are watching or listening maybe resonate with that more because they feel they can relate to it more because ultimately if you're watching a a football show you're a football fan aren't you so I don't think there's any better way to be than just to be yourself when I was growing up and when I did decide like I said when I was at university that I wanted to go into tv presenting and that football and and kind of my passion for sport was an area that I would like to present in and when I was watching these other female sports broadcasters and there were a few but not many there wasn't really anyone who I felt I could really relate to that was like me age-wise um everyone seemed a lot more mature um there wasn't as much personality in these programs and for that reason I always felt like as a female wanting to work in football maybe I had to get my way in by working in sports news 
And so the first jobs I was always applying for were news roles, was reading sports news or being a sports reporter. There were very few female main hosts. There were very few female match anchors. And so knowing that that's the sort of thing I wanted to go into, hosting a show or, you know, being a co-presenter with another presenter and whether that's two females or whether that's a male and a female or however that dynamic works out. I didn't really see many females in those positions. So I always thought that my way in had to be through reading sports news. So naturally that was where I thought I had to go. And obviously I got really fortunate with the radio opportunity that I did get my first job actually presenting a show rather than reading the news. So yeah, I think that maybe the fact that I went into the industry in a slightly different way to what I was expecting and the fact that I didn't, there wasn't one specific female presenter that I thought I want to be like her. For me, it was always just, I just want, I, I just want to do it. I want to do what the guy is doing. I want to, I want to do what Gary Lineker's doing. You know what I mean? It was sort of like, there wasn't really a female presenter that really for me was like, that's the job I want. Um, so maybe that has helped me develop my own style. Um, but I think it's just more than anything, I, I feel like my, having my first job on that shopping channel where I was able to just be myself and be free and do live TV where there were no real rules as such, apart from a few things that you couldn't say, obviously. Um, but we could just be ourselves on on the shopping channel and it was the same on the radio show I was able to just my boss was amazing there and would just let me produce the show present it talk about what I wanted to talk about as long as it was football related um or sports related so yeah I think because of the different jobs I've had along the way that's probably shaped my style of presenting more than anything I think okay and Doing what you do now when you're just about to go live for BT Sport or PLP or whatever you're doing, what are your aims as a presenter? Obviously, it varies from each show, but what are your aims ultimately as a presenter going into that show? Don't make any mistakes, <laughs> number one. Um, have fun. Make people smile. Like, I, I'm a really smiley person. I'm a really, like, naturally happy, positive kind of, like, being um so I just I want people to smile when they're watching and I always say this about football like it doesn't have to be so serious like football is a game it's fun like when you talk to football with your mates you don't sit there like this and talk to football with your mates like that like you talk to football with your mates and you take the mick out of each other and you have a laugh about stuff and like I don't know. I just feel like it should be more relaxed and it should be more fun because at the end of the day, football is fun. That's why we like it. That's why we watch it. Like we love our teams. We're territorial about our teams. We are obsessed with how good certain players are. We watch football because we're mesmerized by how incredibly talented some of the players and the managers are. Like that's why we love football. So I just, whenever I do a show, I just want that to come across and I want people watching to feel like they can relate and that they can enjoy it with you because we're all the same, really. Like if you love football, then you've got something in common with the person that's listening or watching. So yeah, my aims, whenever I'm 
about to go on air are like try and be good at my job be professional um but also just have fun with it and just enjoy it because it is like the best job in the world and like I, I still sometimes sit there and go how is this my job like I literally get paid to talk about football it's amazing um so yeah it's it's always just to have fun enjoy it and hopefully everyone at home watching or listening will enjoy it too that's fantastic advice Jules and just to wrap it up I have a Jules Breach quiz oh god which is basically five questions well hopefully the competitive element you'll like this (laughs) I will that's why oh god I want to win yeah (laughs) basically I've asked all my guests this um and no one has no one before has got all five right um so basically it's five questions on yourself on events you've been at and it's just a little yeah questions about those games or whatever um so it's basically a memory memory test okay so man city women versus man united women september the 8th 2019 there was a record crowd but how many were there it was a record at the time it's not anymore exact oh within five thousand no three thousand i reckon (laughs) okay i think it was roughly around thirty seven thousand it's thirty one thousand oh no <laughs> yeah, it was thirty-one thousand. Really? I, um, I gave it a bit much. Yeah, yeah. And you, reco- you, I, I'll, I'll allow you to recover that question by telling me if you know who the goal scorer was. It was one 0 to Man City. Do you know who the goal scorer was? Was it Captain Steph? No, it was Caroline Weir. Oh God! Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, no, I have not redeemed myself. Yeah, we'll move. So, no one's got four out of five either. The best is three. Okay. Right, I'm still in this. Spain versus England, October 2018. You were in Seville for that game. What's a game? Who scored two for England that day? Oh, come on. Um... It was 3-2 to England. Yeah, I remember the score. I remember we won. I actually don't know, but I'm just going to guess Harry Kane. Oh, I was going to say, the clue is it's not Harry Kane. <laughs> Who scored two? Um... He's one of the forwards, though. Yeah. Um, let's go with Sterling. It is Sterling. Yeah, yes. it is Sterling. Yes. <laughs> All right. I was trying to think, who started that day? <laughs> Chelsea Ajax, 5th of November 2019. Another great game. How many goals were in that match? Oh, I think it was four all, so eight. Yes, it was four yes. all, so eight goals. Yes. <laughs> And the Europa League final last year, yeah. Sevilla versus Inter Milan. Who scored an own goal for Inter Milan? Lukaku. It was Lukaku. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, one more. <laughs> and this one is going to be. It's a bit. It's not football. It's rugby now. It's it's oh, that time when you're at ESPN. Uh, so during the Rugby World Cup, who beat England? The day you went to Twickenham on October 3rd, 2015. This is going to be a guess because I cannot remember this. For New Zealand? No, it's Australia. No! <laughs> because they, were, they didn't get through the groups, did they? So they only had like oh, Australia and Wales. And... I don't even remember that. that, that my memories of that tournament were just like mind blown. Why am I here? How have I got this job? Let's just go in, go out, like, don't make any mistakes. Um, yeah, God, I should have got that. Three out of five. Three out of five. 
Well, that's it for Series 2, Episode 5 of Behind the Microphone with me, Hamish Percy, and broadcast journalist and presenter Jules Breach. As always, leave a rating and a review and subscribe too, and I'll see you again soon.